Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Will you fasten your seatbelts for takeoff, please? Thank you. Kia ora, hello, and welcome to Sound Salad, where we toss around all things spoken and all things heard. Brought to you by Audiobooks New Zealand, New Zealand's leading producer of audio content. We hope that you will have a pleasant journey, and if we can add to your comfort in any way, please do not hesitate to press the call bell. All right, hello and welcome back for our next episode of Sound Salad, where we talk about all things spoken and all things heard. Now, today I decided to bring on a dear friend of mine who works with me at the Blind Foundation as well, another another one, Mr. Josh Nathan. Hello, Josh. How's it going, man? Hey, Romy. <laughs> Good. You? I'm doing real well sitting here in my wardrobe booth, having a grand old time on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I just remember that you're a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, always a wizard in the wardrobe. <laughs> All right. So, what is it that you officially do for us at Blind Low Vision NZ? What's your official role, and how did you how did you find your way into that position? My official role is oh, it's a bit, it's a bit of a lengthy one and doesn't really explain what I do. But I'm a post production audio technician. Basically, what that is is that I'm a post production engineer in the audio world. And what I do is mostly clean up all the books that have problems in them, see if all of the books fit the parameters and such that we set out for our clients and members nice. and make sure that things working smoothly on the coding end. On the coding end. So what does that look like? Do you have to actually like fix code and things like that? Sometimes. And that's just <laughs> because our systems run on what we call DAISY, which is digital audio on oh no, a digital accessible information system so yeah. a, a different system to your regular audiobook and it's mainly because it's got navigation points so that our clients and members can navigate through a book as you or I would so yeah right contents then there's options to go to contents for certain material there's options to go to different pages and different mm. sections and so forth so it's just an easier way for members to get around the book and a supplement for flicking through to, say, chapter one or chapter 10 or whatever, which is 10 pages and they just push buttons. Yeah, so yeah. So sure that works smoothly and that the code reads all right. And that's mainly what I do. Nice, nice. Well, sometimes, like, I, I wander past you in your little, like, office booth thing and you're just – like you've got that really old big playback machine that's playing all of the old tapes and stuff. And I always just sit there going, what on earth is that? Like, <laughs> what are you even doing with it? Was that like when you were digitizing everything or something? Or Yes, so that's part of a digitization project that we were doing. Um, we call them A to Ds, which is an analog to digital conversion. And right. that was running on a Mackie MX5050. And that's just your old reel-to-reel machines that they used to record back in the 90s, 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a tape splicing machine. So we take the thing, we take the material from tape and we put it into a digital format. And that's what that thing is. It's so full on, man. So do you actually have to listen to every single, like, second of that thing that you're trying to, like, digitize? Yes. So that has to be done in real time because if I speed it up, we don't have the software capabilities at the moment to be able to go and time shift everything down. 
to so yeah if it's a 16 hour book well probably be listening to it for 16 hours and doing paperwork on the side damn my gosh (laughs) and are they all interesting like are they all just sort of like the old archived books from old narrators and things or is it newer stuff as well no it's it's mostly older stuff can get it from overseas but if we've got it the general premise is just to do it so most of the titles it's from narrators who narrated back in the 70s to the 90s periods. That's so cool. Yeah. There is some interesting material, but then there's some where you, you kind of just want to block it out. and Yeah, yeah, totally. Just get on with it. But, yeah. Um, one of the most interesting ones I did was, was actually the New Zealand baking book. That was really? quite interesting. Yeah, hearing the different methods of how people used to bake back in the day and even the colloquialisms and euphemisms used in the book. Yeah, totally. They're from a different era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about the style of narration? Like, obviously, we're pretty sort of, you know, natural, but we're sort of, you know, like considered and obviously slow down a little bit, bearing in mind the sort of age range of of the majority of our members, things like that. What's the sort of main difference do you reckon between those sort of old like ways of delivering text versus versus what we do now that would definitely be a limitation on the technology that was available at the time so you oh, really definitely, yes so there's not so much the cuts and edits we make aren't as very clean because yeah. you have to remember this is being done in real time and it's being done on a reel-to-reel so through a tape machine yeah, sure. Cuts that were made to the audio are quite obvious, and mistakes, say stumbles on words or phrases or sentences, they were either overlooked or just repeated just ah. because of the limitations. Wow. Gosh, yeah. how odd. How odd for the listener, eh? That'd be so weird to have to like actually hear the stumbles. My God. Like. <laughs> If I actually yeah. kept all, if I actually kept all of the stumbles in any of my books, it'd probably be like a good hour or two hours longer, maybe. Oh, I suppose that's why some of these books are sixteen hours. Yeah, yeah, damn, yeah. gosh. Hey, so what led you to what led you to your role at Blind Low Vision NZ now? What it, like you because you studied straight after um, high school, eh? Yes, so straight after high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to university in Wellington. I uh, thought I was going to be some crack shot lawyer, but decided, <laughs> no, maybe that's that's not the path. So after I finished that, I went to SAE, which is School of Audio Engineering here in Auckland, mm-hmm. and really just started digging into the sound side of music. Um, having family members and a lot of friends who are into music and been in recording studios before. And I thought, hey, it'd be fun to go and play with all those dials and stuff on that big desk. That looks yeah, fun. Yeah. So I went and did it and yeah, it was fun. Right. And then went to history for a number of years and was just flicking around on Seek one day and then saw the advertisement for a post-production audio engineer mm-hmm. for um, Blind Low Vision NZ and Applied for it and got it. Yeah. Two years before I got the job, I applied for it as well. Oh, but really? One of your old colleagues, Eugene, he came back. Yes, of course. Yes. So he got the job and then was like, oh, well. So kept working and saw it pop up again. And hmm. well, got it. So. Yeah, man. Eventually meant to be, eh? <laughs> yeah, eventually. I think I remember um, guest bagging with you as well. I think by that point you were sort of a little bit over the freelance contractor life and were kind of just keen to actually have something a little bit stable as well, eh? Definitely. Stable <laughs> is, you know, it's nice to know that you're going to get paid. I know. Regularly. Man. 
<laughs> shafted from a job here or there and not knowing when you're going to get paid. It's yeah. just a stress away. No, exactly. I know. I hear that, man. How do you reckon that, I mean, obviously you work with audiobooks. So of course, they have some element of impact on your life, but you're, you're a member of Blind Low Vision NZA. So, I mean, have did audiobooks play a big role in your education or anything like that? Like, have they sort of made life not, easier for you or not so much in my education it was more in leisure reading i didn't have to strain my eyes reading a book so it was just easier to listen to somebody else read it and then carry on doing what i'm doing yeah and then it sort of just carried over so whether i'm walking in the park or taking a train ride or something an audiobook is quite nice yeah i mean in lieu of music because everyone listens to music music gets a bit old or tiresome or there's a new book out by an author that i really like and i can't be bothered mm-hmm. going and buying a paperback yeah go and find a book yeah yeah totally do you have a favorite genre or a favorite you know book in particular or pleasures. my guilty pleasures are fantasy novels fantasy novels <laughs> yeah everyone is so into them eh? it's, it's 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 a curious thing to me i, I mean I, I mean i dig it it's great why are you into them me I don't know, just always sort of liked the plot lines and sort of character growth and just the way they're written. Yeah. It depends on the title as well, but <laughs> it's just getting lost in the world because it's, you know, it's, I guess it's a sort of escapism. Yeah, yeah, for from, sure. Okay. But then again, I do like books. Uh, I do like old George Orwell. Yeah, right. was one of my favorite books going through yeah. um, school and Animal Farm. Rad. Rad. Amazing. I think, yeah, I mean, the whole the whole fantasy thing, like uh, what I find the most difficult about that genre to narrate is is actually, in fact, the titles, the the names, the, you know, names of cities or names of characters and stuff like that. I mean, I absolutely take my hat off to these authors because it's like they just have these incredible galaxies in their minds, you know, and they and, and they can just make one story or one world eke itself out over like nine huge books i mean you know game of thrones or whatever case in point you know (laughs) as well as many and obviously you know we have a good old lord of the rings something something coming up by way of television show you know that's exciting like a written movie i mean if you sit there and you read it and you come up with okay ideas and it depends on how well the author describes the setting so someone Um, one of the series of books that I grew up reading, uh, ones that I actually read because, yeah, the the stories were just amazing and you could just get lost in the world. Mm. It was um, Tales of the Otori by Leanne Hu. Nice. Yeah, and that's about a Japanese, uh, it's set in a Japanese setting during feudal wars, but it's about a young, a young boy it starts off with who gets taken in by um, a feudal lord and trained to be an assassin from the best assassin clan. Right. How old were you? Oh, how old was I? Uh, Maybe nine or ten. Amazing. Who introduced you to this? I don't know. I just found it in, um, I found it in Wickles. Cool. And then liked the picture. Mm. So I read the book. And it was really good. But she describes the setting so well, you know, and she would describe him or the main character walking through, um, running his hand along each blade of grass and how the blade of grass felt, how it was shifting in the wind and the scent of the flowers around him. Yeah, so yeah. you get a feeling of what she was trying to portray in each setting that she put her characters in. 
spoken before, like with regards to the actual job of narration being to try and make the experience of a novel as cinematic as possible, eh? Like, I feel like 90% of your job is done for you if you've got a bloody good script. Do you know what I mean? If you have those really epic, descriptive sentences and phrases to actually sort of play with to help bring it to life for the listener, it's so, it's such a blessing, eh? Absolutely. Well-written content. Totally. Well, I mean, we used to sit outside and like, you know, on our little 15 minute, 20 minute ish breaks <laughs> and guess bag about, because obviously you did start out in, um, you know, music engineering and things like that. And I was always really fascinated about, you know, taking this notion of audiobook as sort of cinematic sort of audio movie that little bit that little step further in the sense of you know putting soundscape behind it and things like that and you know I think we were speaking about gosh this was years ago now imagine hearing whale rider narrated but being able to experience or feel as though you're at the beach as well because you've got you know seagulls calling in the background or the actual sound of the waves and stuff like that I mean I understand that maybe a, a lot of the older members and things like that might not really enjoy that so much because it might make the listening of of the words a bit difficult but what are your sort of thoughts on on that kind of migration of of audio of audiobook yeah i love the idea we we don't do it because we have both blind and deaf blind members yeah um, so that's why we don't do it at work but um i myself do enjoy them and it's funny that you bring that up because there is a company or rather production house, I think they're American. Mm. They are called Soundbooth Theatre. Yes. And yes, they're my guilty pleasures. <laughs> what we call lit RPGs, which are it's literature based on role playing games and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, sort of yeah. Type genre type yeah. thing. But yes, um, they do put sound effects and original music and sort of other elements that make the story interesting behind mm. the narration itself but also not taking away from the narrator or narrators because it's a multicast they generally do multicast uh, productions yeah yeah yep so male and female voices for characters in the same project uh, sound effects and it's all well balanced the engineering is it's it's top notch it's quite on point that's awesome yeah, man it's, it's just interesting because you think about, well, when a person who is blind or low vision or has issues seeing a big screen um, in the movies, yes, they'll go to the movies to enjoy the story and yeah, for sure. think what's going on. And it's just another avenue, I guess, of exploration for mm. uh, them. And it, personally, I, I like them. You don't even have to be vision impaired. Yeah, yeah, to totally. With them because you sit there and you listen to something. It's like, oh, that's cool. And mm. then it takes your mind over and be like, wow, that must be what's going on. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Ground, so it must be a sunny day. Yeah, yeah, nice. Is it mainly content around gaming and stuff in that in that sort of genre that those sound booth theatre guys do? Mostly, yes. So they, they're really into that sort of thing. They do live performances too, I think. I think I've heard mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, I've got some research to do. I'd be fascinated to figure out if I could, like, you know, chat with some of those guys. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. I mean, I think <laughs> they have a very interesting and unique perspective to offer on how they view audiobooks and audio dramas, I suppose you could say. Yeah, so, totally. Like in the day when they used to have audio dramas on the radio. Yeah, I know. Kind of like, yeah, it's interesting how it, how we've kind of done like a 180 in terms of 
our interest in content. You know, it's sort of like we have kind of gone backwards, but we've done it in such a leap forward sort of way because all the, all of the technology and all of the available resources that we have now, we can do those old sort of format things, but just so much better and so much kind of snazzier now, you know? Absolutely. It's the wonders of technology and it makes you, uh, it gives you a broader range of options to how you want to edit and present your content. So it gives you more of an idea of what you want your end project to be. I mean, what do you envision it to be? It's possible. And most of the time, all you'd need is a laptop and a pair of headphones, I guess, and a microphone. Yeah, yeah totally. And some egg cartons. Yes, <laughs> to, to potentially can. soundproof a small wardrobe or something. Well, we're <laughs> on a budget. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. Egg cartons, curtains, and mattress, mattresses. Mattresses, yeah. Totally. I know, eh? That's like the, the ultimate student, student version of... <laughs> Well, so obviously, I mean, you know, you've been you've been with is it Blind Low Vision NZ for a while now. What's sort of next on the cards for you? I I know that you had, I mean, obviously, you know, you're going to stay working with us for a while. Well, we're intending to start some study this year, eh? Uh, yes. So I wanted to study a master's in creative technologies because I wanted to. My idea of a project was to make, for example, the journey from Hawaii to um, New Zealand back in the day. So it was more of an indigenous journey. So mm-hmm. an indigenous migration journey, but yeah. I wanted it to be in a, a virtual reality setting with options of, um, you know, whether to follow the North star or the Southern cross or the Northern lights or whatever, mm. and just to see how that, how that journey would have been um, of indigenous cultures would have been. So going from Hawaii on a waka to New Zealand and then arriving here. Mm-hmm. So what the entails and really immersive experience stories being told in Tereo about the journey that we have. So the National Archives records hold. Yes. I'd want to I'd want to do one of those stories of a tribe of settlers rowing across and you know it's it's very simple, it's quite calming. And then it's stories being told in Tereo with English subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Vice versa, yeah. Have yeah. it told in English so that it's more, it's more accessible to others. That's such a rad idea, man. So what? So you obviously got accepted into the course and everything like that, eh? Yes, I got accepted, and then COVID hit. Then COVID hit. So this is obviously not something that you can do from the wardrobe studio at home or without the actual tools, I suppose, right? Yeah, so I'd need to be on campus quite a lot to yeah. work on the lab. Oh, bugger, man. So what's the what, what's the update on that front? Are they sort of like just postponing for a year or? No, I could have gone back. I could have, but I felt that it wasn't really the right time yeah. to go and do it. So it's perhaps on the cards for the yeah, future. Yeah. And cool. I'd definitely eventually like to get my master's in creative tech. So just really, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's mainly just... <laughs> working through all of this as everyone is at the moment. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Oh, we've had massive upheavals, eh, at Mahi, like yeah. at, at work, not least of which moving buildings all the way out now to Henderson, which is easy as for you because you're a Westie. You love it. Yes, that was another contribution <laughs> factor to why I haven't gone to study. Yeah, of the yeah. yeah, of course. If you yeah. were to give me your car, well, I'd be banging my way around the city until I find a park and be getting a call. <laughs> like, Josh... Have you been trying to drive again? Come on, man. Come on. You know you can't see. (laughs) 
<laughs> people that can't see. All right, friend. Hey, well, thank you so much for coming and having a wee gas bag with me this morning. I will most definitely hit you up again when and figure out, you know, once we've got a few more updates on what's happening with your next steps and next phases, and I'll get you back on and we can hear about your progress. Oh, it was lovely speaking with you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no worries, man. Take care now. All right, you too. Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Romy Hooper. You've been listening to Sound Salad for all things spoken and all things heard. To hear more Sound Salad episodes, go to www.soundsalad.co.nz. This has been brought to you by my gold sponsor, Audiobooks NZ. Check out their library at www.audiobooksnz.co.nz. to press the call bell.